A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hola, and welcome to a big interview from the vault. Look, all right, no fooling around. We asked our socios, our members, our supporters at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter to pick their favourite from season two of this long-running and I have to say much-loved show. You're about to hear one of the interviews they picked as the best from a selection which included international footballers representing Germany, Italy... The Netherlands, Bulgaria, Argentina, England, Scotland and Northern Ireland. Here's what I had to say about this one when we recorded during season 2016-2017. Peter Crouch is a footballer I genuinely love to see out on any football pitch. He plays with a technical ability and a sense of fun, which I've always found a joy to watch. You don't need to take my word for it, though. A young Pep Guardiola, before he became Pep Guardiola the coach, also saw something special in Mr Crouch and wrote a sort of love letter, a football love letter, to the striker in 2006, writing for the Spanish broadsheet quality paper El País, referencing Peter's skill, his awareness and his desire to play for his teammates. I've always really disliked this idea that Peter's got a good touch for a big man. He's simply got a good technical touch. Clever soccer player. In this big interview, we discover a childhood spent learning the game under the curver method, perfecting skills named after the players who made them famous. Go find out about the curver method. It works. It's clever. His appetite for practice and repetition has also allowed him to score some genuinely remarkable goals during his career, and Peter recalls some of his best strikes here. He also talks about an admiration for Italian football, and of course, Peter explains the Stoke effect, what it is, and why it consistently unnerves teams like Arsenal so much. Hope you enjoy this one as much as we did. Star Peter Crouch, we love you. Many people, in fact about 4.6 million people, have heard me say, we only do this series with people that we admire a lot. And that's you. The reason that I say that is that whenever I look at TV these days to see a football match, I don't follow necessarily a club or a team. I say, who do I want to watch playing? 
And from the minute I saw you, I've enjoyed your technique and your touch and not just the fun that you play with, but the creativity. And you've obviously got the technical skills to bring these things off. Now, I'm always fairly sure of my views, but when in 2006 you read Pep Guardiola, not yet a coach, and writing for a broadsheet newspaper in Spain called El País and agreeing with you, it's nice to hear. Now, if you tolerate it, this is what he says about you. Can I read you this? Yeah, love to hear it. It's not the worst thing in the world. <laughs> so it's, it's a game where Wayne Rooney doesn't play in the World Cup and, and Pep says, but the guy who was there was Peter Crouch. Maybe people might know the guy from Manchester Rooney a little bit more, but when you've got Crouch in your team, you have to play for Crouch. And he said, don't worry about it. Playing for Peter Crouch is a big thing. He gives everything to the team. He knows exactly how to lay the ball off, to hold it up for Gerard and Lampard. He knows how to make brilliant light touches with his head or with his feet for Owen and Rooney when he's back in the team. He does it with his head, he does it with his feet. But one of his best virtues is that he brings all the lines of team into play. He knows that he's playing with ten others and it's not just the ball coming out of the heavens towards him or for him all the time. He gives continuity to the play. And he says, the minute the ball reaches Peter Crouch, you can start counting. And he counts one, two, three, four. He said, you look up and he's still got the ball, waiting for the right pass, waiting for the lines of Jardin Lampard in midfield and Rio and Terry to move up so that the team is in great shape when he lays the ball off. It's basically a football love letter to your football technique and your football intelligence. You, you didn't know he'd written that, did you? In all honesty, I've heard that uh, Guardiola had said some words around the 2006 World Cup at that time, uh, and I knew they were complimentary, but I didn't know, obviously, that it went into that much depth. The purpose wasn't to embarrass you. Does Pep Guardiola, the young Pep Guardiola, who's not yet a coach, has he gone to the heart of how you like to play because he's speaking about intelligence, technique and team play. It's certainly something I grew up on, really. I mean, first and foremost, as a kid, I wasn't playing as a, as a target man. I was, I was all about technique, you know, yeah. and I think that stood me in good stead as a player. I think, of course, I've adapted my game to the strengths that I have. Everything, as a kid, was revolving around technique. I, I went to Corver as a kid. I don't know if you... Uh, uh, aware of Corver. Phil Corver, the foreign yeah. Dutch, yeah, Dutch footballer, yeah. It. Yeah, I did a lot. My dad was big into it. Every play, young player had a ball, you know. It was all about technique and things like that. That was obviously where, you know, that, that kind of thing came from. I worked very hard at that. But obviously, with, with his words, obviously the team play, and, and I think that sort of, that's just come with, uh, with probably how I am, really. I think, yeah, of course, I want to win. I want to do as best I can individually, but... Uh, but the way he's, he's talking, obviously, yeah, of course, I try, and, I try and hold the ball up, I try and bring others into play, and I try and get in the box and, and get on the end of things. I think that's a simpler way of putting it. So let's put our foot in the ball now. Corver, mm. explain to the audience. Well, at the time, when I first started going there, I was about 10, 10 years old. I think uh, it, was a, it was a massive thing for me... Um, Helping, you know, develop my career and the fact that uh, it was groundbreaking at the time. Um, you know, the English way of playing when I was growing up was uh, was very simply just play games, and um, there wasn't a great deal of thought going into. I think it was just more about enjoying it and uh, and playing eleven aside, and uh, and not not so much about concentrating on you with the football and you enjoying the ball and uh, and getting to do different skills. I mean, I always remember we it was the 
there was names of players um, and, and, and different skills, and you had to go away and you had to perfect them, and you had to come back next time and you you know see how you'd improved and got the skills. And it was like the Van Basten, the Litbarski, um, always remember them. And, and it was, it was let's put a foot in the ball again. Then yeah. so, so did this. Like, I remember Pierre Litbarski. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what was the Van Basten? What was the Litbarski? Van, the, the Van Basten. The Van Basten was like a, it was basically a step over. Was a Van Basten, but it was just the way you could relate it to players made it more interesting. Yeah, of uh, course. And Lip Basky was just as simple. You put your foot on the ball and drop a shoulder, and then like move to the other side. Um, and there was obviously there was uh, Maradona, was, which was basically uh, where you stand on the ball and turn. I don't even know what that, it's probably got a new name for it. The kids have got these days. <laughs> um, yeah, it was basically one of those where you turn in the middle of the pitch. And uh, is it like what that sometimes gets called the Zidane thing? Yeah, you, exactly you put your right. stand and you turn stand your body and you're away from the player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah There's little things like that, and I think um, yeah, that and coupled with going out every day and, and playing with my dad and playing. Uh, with friends and stuff like that. I think uh, I worked on, obviously, all the techniques that have stood me in good stead now, and then obviously we put that into a team frame, and I think you, uh, you got the makings of, 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 of being going on to, to being a player. So the curve method is, is something that is not, wasn't then well-known. No. Now has grown a little bit, and we don't share a lot of resemblances, mm. but we do in that my dad was a massive fan of the co-founder of that, right. Charlie Cook, who played at Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. So your dad would have loved Charlie Cook, but, of yeah. course, we gave him to Chelsea. He's a mighty Aberdeen legend, yeah. and my dad said he's the best player he's ever seen yeah. playing for them. So this Curver method, I mean, how do you end up... Whose idea is this? Um, in all honesty, it was probably my dad. My dad's a big, huge influence on my career. Um, Chelsea man? Uh, yeah, he is, yeah. I mean, I'm Peter after Peter Osgood, believe it or not. I mean, he was a big Chelsea fan. And is there a rabbit story? And, uh, uh, yeah, I had a rabbit called Kerry Dixon back in the day, yeah. <laughs> um, he's another, obviously, uh, hero when I was growing up. But, yeah, I mean, he's a big influence on my career, and I think uh, he... Obviously, he wanted me to enjoy it, but he wanted me to be as good as I could be. And I think, uh, you know, we, we used to go out and uh, play football before school. Uh, and obviously, I played to play with my mates as well. But um, he was a, a, a big fan of Corver. Obviously, he's a, he's a student of the game, my dad. He, he loves it. I mean, he can, he can tell you, you know, stories right through the 70s, 80s, 90s. Um, so he found out about Corver and just thought, you know, we'll give it a try for me as a kid and um, and I loved it and just wanted to keep going back and uh, I just felt it really helped me, you know, later on in my career, technique-wise, I think. Well, let's let's do some, because Cruyff might have been part of the Corver method, a Cruyff's yeah. name might have been used. Well, definitely used, yeah. For what he's most famous for, I presume, yeah, course, the, the turn against Sweden in the 74 World Cup. Yeah, yeah. But like you said, so... What I like a great deal, and what we've talked about hugely um, across this podcast, is skills development, technique. My desperation, even as a Scot, to see repeated England teams who I could tolerate winning a trophy (laughs) every 50 or 60 years, lacking the technique to control a game and and the passes or first-time touch all the time, every player. Therefore... It really excites me that your dad said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, I'm going to Peter the best yeah. chance to enjoy his career, yeah. to have a professional career, yeah. and that his skills will be predominant. And that, I mean, that's why I turn on the TV yeah. to watch you. But the Cruyff moment, as you said, you can relate it directly to something that happens in your career because yeah. what you're learning on a muddy field in, I don't know, Ealing, Austerley, I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah, for, right. with, with, and also with West Mid. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, West Mid Six Colts, yeah. You, you, you bring that into play when, for example, in a... Yeah famous hat-trick at Anfield. 
Yeah, exactly right, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it's one of my, my favourite goals, probably just, uh, I mean, everything to do with it, really, obviously, the fixture being Liverpool Arsenal, uh, cop end, obviously, and my, you know, the, it was the third goal for my hat trick, and uh, yeah, obviously, the, and, and, and the technique as well. So I think, yeah, all those things, I mean, you know, listen, I, 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 the way I play now is obviously wholeheartedly now, and uh, yeah, of course, I've, I've got to be good in the air, I'm six foot seven, so I've had, to, I've had to probably work on that, but I think the hardest part of the game is controlling the ball and uh, mm. and being able to you know be comfortable in possession and stuff like that and I think that obviously comes from the grounding that I had in to do with at the core of you know from when my dad receiving the ball we used to go out of 10 balls in the park and he used to ping balls from everywhere at me and uh, you know I used to get it down and do it in two such and it was just repetitiveness really and I think that certainly helped me and uh, of course I had to adapt my game and become you know probably more more aggressive uh, better in the air than I actually Actually, was technique-wise, had to work on that. But but all the other sides of the games, like the, the, the volleying and the receiving of the ball, um, I think came early because of you know sheer sheer practice and uh, an enjoyment in that practice. So in the moment when that ball's coming into you for the third of the hat trick, mm. I guess, and it's coming in from the right, you're doing something that you've continued to practice, I guess, in training for years afterwards. But what is it about? Because in my mind, I'm all relating this to people saying for England's great. Problem is they can't win at penalties. Yeah. People say, well, it's not worth practicing because yeah. pressure, whatever. Whereas there is something in that muscle memory. Yeah, yeah. If you do it repeatedly, yeah. there's a far better chance that you'll pull off a Cruyff turn yeah. or you'll send Colaturi the wrong yeah. way or you'll finish well once yeah. you've turned or you'll yeah. score a penalty. You, you're, you're a believer in yeah. muscle memory and repetitive. Yeah, certainly. I always remember being with, obviously with England and... Uh, Frank Lampard and, and David Beckham, obviously two two fantastic players. And I always remember Beckham used to do five, five, six, seven free kicks after training every single day. And Frank Lampard used to do five, not not loads, five, six, seven penalties every day against the keeper David James or Paul Robson, whoever it was. And uh, you know, you see that that the, 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 so, you know, Beckham so good at free kicks for mm. a reason, and Frank Lampard's so clinical at penalties uh, for a reason. Um, and that's just simply because I think if you repeat doing the same skill over and over, I think you're more confident in the situation when it comes into a game. And, you know, Beckham, the, the, the free kick against Greece, something like that. I just feel like, you know, you've done it so many times, you know you can do it, you're more confident at executing that skill. And, yeah, you can't replicate the crowd, but you can replicate the skill. And I think if you know you can do it, you're more confident at doing it. And, it's so important to uh, to practice it. And I think uh, you know, anyone who says you, you, there's no point in practice you can't replicate is uh, just talking nonsense. All right, thank you. <laughs> and we came all this way just just to hear that. <laughs> Tell the world. Um, I, just, I don't mean to send a stupid question, but in the instant that you pull off something like you did against Arsenal, or of the many many clever, technically superb goals that you've scored, are you thinking, or, or can you remember? In instances like that, whether it's that hat-trick goal or not, when the ball's coming at you, to what degree does your brain kick in and say, at really high speed, I'm going to do this, this and this? Or is it literally just predatorial instinct? You're doing it without thinking. Um, the, the, the Arsenal goal, there, there have been goals, different, different goals, I think, but uh, the Arsenal goal was probably, yeah, I was full of confidence. Obviously, I'd scored two already. And... Yeah, I, I couldn't really. I think it was probably instinct that that goal. But there's other there's other goals like the one I scored for Stoke um, the Man, against Man City, the yeah. volley. Yeah. That I'd actually tried that a week previous, and you know I'd actually. 
do it in tra- like I don't do that in training a lot, but I try it in training a lot, you know. And where it's sort of like it's it's, it's something that I've thought about previously. I know that I'm actually better at volleying than I am, you know, shooting 30 yards off the ground. So I know that when the ball drops, I know that I want to get it up so I can have more of a chance of volleying it because I, I know that my technique at volleying is probably better than it is off the floor. Gosh. So uh, yeah, which is it's just it's just. I've always loved volleying. You know, I've always done it as a kid, and it's uh, something that I've always been okay at. So I, I, that is obviously something that is not. Yeah, it's instinctive because it's more you conscious. Know. It's more, yeah, a bit more conscious. Yeah, because I know that you know I want to get the ball up to to volley it. You know, and uh, and I remember trying against Blackburn actually about two weeks before that goal, and uh, the keeper saving it. Um, but it was, you know, it probably gave me more confidence to try it again, and thankfully it did, and it was, uh, it was one of the best I've scored. There's a, there's a little mismatch here because the Van Basten, when you're doing the curver training, is a different skill than maybe Van Basten's known for. Yeah. But you're a, you're a great follower, you were a great follower of Syria football in its yeah. golden age. Yeah. And Van Basten was somebody who, like Lebarski, Lebarski I remember often yeah. in his day, was great scoring overhead kicks, yeah. not scissor kicks. I would yeah. differentiate. Yeah. And Klaus Fischer, yeah. the Germans were really good at overhead kicks. Yeah, yeah. But if we can go to another goal that's very, very special for you, for Liverpool against Galatasaray, which yeah. is one of your more famous goals, there's a correlation there, is there, between what you saw other players doing yeah. and your book, you write really nicely about, like, just... Your, your teammates when you're young yeah. throwing yourself about in a muddy pitch trying yeah. to volley a ball yeah, home yeah, yeah. am I right that there's a correlation between practice and that goal? Yeah 100% yeah I mean, that goal uh, I mean over the course of my career I've, scored, I've been lucky enough to score a few of those types of goals and um, the Galatasaray being probably the best one there was actually one for Portsmouth I think uh, against Stoke believe it or not that was, that was up there and, and Liverpool again Bolton, similar sort of goal. Um, but I, I mean, I used to do that as a kid. Like, literally, we used to go get someone to cross it in and we used to all be trying overhead kicks. And I think it stemmed from our, we used to, Gianluca Vialli when he was at Sampdoria. I used to love Sampdoria in that Italian. Um, that was my team in Serie A at the time. Um, obviously, we, when Gaza went out there, it was probably the time where, I mean, he was one of my favourite players. So when he went out there, I used to solely watch the Italian football. Viali was doing it. I remember Mancini used to score a few of them. Hugo Sanchez back in the day. Wow. He was, like, incredible at them. It's um, like he could float. Yeah, no, it was amazing, you know. And um, they were the players that we, you know, we saw doing it, and uh, they were the goals that we always try and emulate. And uh, you don't practice it so much now because it's a risk of injury these days. You know, when you're a nine-year-old, ten-year-old kid, it's not, you know, you just throw yourself around. And I think the goal, the Galatasaray goal, was certainly... Uh, yeah, it didn't just happen, you know. It was for years and years and years we used to try that, and, uh, and thankfully, obviously, we managed to managed to do it in the Champions League game, and it was uh, it was a special goal. And certainly, one I've, I've got on the wall. Uh, I've got a few good pictures of it, actually. It's absolutely, uh, that was, I've got that one on the wall. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Italian football because it, 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 it entranced me and although I didn't move to Italy yeah. I moved to Spain partly because yeah. I learned that there's another footballing culture yeah, yeah. that they celebrated differently yeah. they talked about it differently yeah. and that although our football culture fed the world yeah. there have been some nice varieties developed yeah. since yeah. what hit you about Italian football? Yeah it's mad you know, for me Syria A at the time there was the best we had the best players in the world for me um, I didn't think our league was was as strong as that. I mean, mm. the, 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 the AC Milan team, the Baresi, the the, uh, the Hullet, Van Basten, um, that was, you know, that, what team that was, you know, and obviously Sampdoria, I loved with the, uh, it was like the Lombardo, the um, um, Viales, uh, but obviously the uh, Beppe Signori, uh, Lazio team with uh, Boxic, um, Paul Ince went out there with yeah, yeah. Inter Milan, you know, like, I watched it every Sunday, even, even the, the way um, I think it was um, what's this Richardson, you know, the, the presenter yep. um, James. He's even when he was just sitting there like this with a little <laughs> espresso, and he was reading the pink paper, you know. And I was like, this is, I just loved everything about it. Me too. I mean? oh, the, the Dolce Vita looked really ap- appealing, didn't oh, it? And he was in the sun, and I'm sitting, you know, I'm sitting there going, oh, I've got to go out in the rain and play football. You know, I'm just watching like Gaza when he had his he had his swimming pool and he was doing an interview, and I was just thinking, this is just. Amazing, you know. So, so what sort of stage of your career are you at then? Yeah. Still playing for West Mid? Or um, what? Yeah, yeah. I think I was, I was on the, I was probably on the level there where I was at a pro club. I was probably training at QPR, um, you know, the, the, the local team at, uh, at Barclays Bank um, on a on a Tuesday Thursday night. And uh, yeah, I was still, I was on, I was on the road, but uh, still a million miles away from that, you know. And, uh, um, that was probably absolutely. But it's an inspirational right. view in that case. Yeah. You, you theoretically, as you're sitting watching it, you'd like a piece of that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it was it was it was more to do with the football. Obviously, it was uh, you know it was to do with the fact that I think it was more attainable in the fact that obviously the best players in England were going out there as well. It was like Paul Ince and, and Paul Gascoigne and David Platt. Yeah. Um, obviously, when David Platt was at, he went to Liam Barley Brady had and, been there previously. Yeah. Hugely yeah, successful. Yeah, massive. You know, and uh, it became something that. I don't know, like, it was, it was like, that was the pinnacle was, was Serie A at that time. And I think, uh, I think it's come round again now. Obviously, the Premier League's the best, best league in the world for me. I know you probably, you might say different. I, yeah. I'm aware of the power of the English league. Like you, you know, I'd, I'd always like to see more technique. I'd like yeah, to see yeah. more mastery of what the ball's there for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, certainly. And I think that they're, uh, obviously, in Spain, I think probably, uh, you know, more, the teams probably play the right way more often than not, you know, but uh, I think in the Premier League, it, you know, it's, you find sort of 
you know, if, if we went to go and play Arsenal at a footballing game, we'd lose, you know, and I think uh, sometimes in Spain, you know, lesser teams probably try and play too much, you know, whereas mm-hmm. in England, I think we just find a way to, to win against the top, top teams, which makes it more difficult for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think that, you know, the, the, the top teams in Spain probably are better than the teams that we... We have wouldn't, wouldn't you have liked to have sampled a bit of that? I would, lo- I would love to go and play and do something abroad. Yeah, I would love to. Um, I've always felt that I've done better against, say, the you know, international level in mm-hmm. the Champions League. Um, I've bizarrely found it easier than, say, playing in the Championship when I played in the Championship, only because t- t- teams just didn't know how to handle me. You know, mm-hmm. it was like they, I don't think they played against the player like the way I play, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that when I played against teams in the Champions League, like big teams and, and stuff, they, they, they're all used to a, a different type of player to me, you know? And I found it, I always felt that I was going to score goals, certainly at international level mm-hmm. and always in the Champions League. I just felt that I was going to go into games and, and I'll be scoring. But in practical terms, what does that mean? Does that mean that they maybe give you, they stand off a little bit? A little bit, yeah. And uh, give you more time on the ball, probably respect you more. Whereas, you know, when I was, if I was playing, you know, when I first started out my career in the Championship, you know, there's no respect. You're just, you're just getting clapped from everywhere, you know? And I think uh, it was a bit tougher. With the referees protect you a little bit more at the elite level, well, maybe? Yeah, a lot more. I mean, I, I got given you know a lot of fouls against me um, in the Champions League and, and internationally. And I always believe if I've got a run on the defender, you know, then like when a cross is coming in, then uh, I'll, well, nine times out of ten, I believe I'll win it. So you know, when crosses are coming to the box, it was uh, it was always always good for me. And I think obviously my record in, in the Champions League and, and international level has always been very good. Um, I need to go a player that I loved watching because um, I don't think we're out of time yet. When I heard, because we actually it doesn't sound like it, but we do some research here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when you you said you've mentioned Gaza, you mentioned Maradona, people you aimed at. Yeah. You also mentioned Roy Wegerly. Yeah. You know, I thought, when I first saw him, I thought, whoa, that man can do anything. Oh, yeah. He can just dribble. He looked... Yeah. He didn't look lazy, but he looked yeah. elegant in a laid-back yeah. way as if, yeah, I'm going to beat a couple of players now, but, you know, I'm going to do it again in ten minutes. Don't worry about it. It's coming around the corner again. Yeah. Just, for people that don't remember Roy Wegerly, just tell me about him. Mm. Oh, I loved him. He was, an, he was another one, like you say. It was everything about him, you know? It was, like, he was different and... Uh, you know, like you say, I think elegant was the word, and he would beat a couple of players and then bend one in the top corner. And he was a little bit of a maverick as well. He was a little bit could be lazy at times, um, but it was just I think a, a crowd favourite for that um, because he was a maverick and he was such a talented player. And he probably could have been more really. But um, you know, I got to to the stage where obviously my, I went to Chelsea as a kid. And I was a ball boy there and stuff like that. But you get to the stage where you wanted to start going with your mates. Yeah. Uh, to games and the local team was QPR and we could pay I remember me and my couple of mates we were QPR fans we, we, we went down we used to go down there on our own and uh, obviously the tube from Ely Broadway to White City is a couple of stops and we pay £5 to sit in the lower paddock and watch a Premier League game uh, and it, at that time QPR top London club yeah, yeah. Um, you know we had obviously that Wigley was, was there but obviously it was Ferdinand um, you know, Sir Les yeah you know uh, MP Trevor Sinclair um, you know some top top players and uh, it was great but, but it was Seaman still in goals or Dave, Dave it was uh, after that it was uh, Stage Stage Cal, was it yeah oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah Seaman I think he just he was just before me really but yeah it was I mean a great team but but Wigley was the was the best for me him and Les Ferdinand probably were the ones that, that stuck out for but me so your eye has always been drawn 
to the entertainer. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and like you know, I certainly wouldn't class myself in that in that category. But um, well, I disagree. That's why we're here. I, dis- I fully disagree. Yeah, it's something that. I always tried to do, I always tried to, like, as a kid, you know, you wanted, I wanted to beat players and uh, I wanted to excite and, and, and enjoy it, you know? And I think that, um, yeah, it comes across probably now that you know, I'll still enjoy the game because I love it, you know? I'm 36 years old and uh, I, I, I'm certainly not going to uh, be going anywhere soon because um, the day I stopped sort of enjoying playing football and... Uh, and, and wanting to come in every day and, and, and with a smile on my face and looking forward to, to getting out there. I mean, I'm here now. You know, we've, we, di- we didn't play great on the weekend, but I'm here now and I'm, I'm, I can't wait to get out. Literally. I li- like, literally can't wait to go out there with the boys and have a laugh and get, get stuck into playing. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's literally a joy every day. And I think sometimes you look at players and they're like, you know, you can see that they don't, they don't really want to be here. And you're like... I can't get married. It's a shocker, isn't it? <laughs> well, everybody who's in the stands wants to be out yeah, there. Yeah. And maybe 90% who are in the stands, if they were given the chance to be out there, they probably couldn't handle the pressure yeah, yeah. or the, the hits, the operations, yeah. Yeah. the disappointments. But to see a player who's made it, who's been given the ability, given chances, paid well, and they kind of like, you know, they're tossing it off. It's just. But it's amazing. It's a crime, it's isn't it? It's amazing you see it and you just think, I mean, you must have enjoyed it to, to get to the level you, mm. you're at now. You must have must have enjoyed it somewhere along the long line. How can you not get back to that and you know to love it? You know, I see players that don't want to don't want to be don't want to really train. Don't really want to you know maybe if they're half fit. You know, do you want to play on a weekend? And it's like well, touch and go. So you're like, no, it's bizarre. Yeah, obviously, you know, thankfully you don't see it that often. But but when you do, it's uh, it's certainly an eye. There's a happiness here. It's what we're looking at, and you know, it's, it's a brilliantly run club mm. club I've got huge they've treated me really well yeah. um, I admire the Coates family what they yeah. stand for what they've, done, yeah. what they've done for their club I think they're living as much of a dream as you because it is their club yeah. and here you are in the Premier League repeatedly yeah. this is the club you've stayed longest at if I'm not yeah, wrong it is, yeah. just yeah. try and sum up some of the things yeah. that have kept you here and yeah. kept you happy yeah. it's part of it though I mean that training ground out the back mm. that's as beautiful as you'll see I, I was at Monaco's La Tourbie yeah. uh, the other week and it's on a cliff overlooking the Mediterranean yeah. but it's yeah. a digger site there's port cams everywhere yeah. it's probably nice yeah. no it's just it's lovely honestly and uh, it's a club we're really really moving in the right direction like you say and I think it, it hasn't got an owner that doesn't understand the place or the ah, sweet yeah you know yeah. the you know, but, you know, well-off owner that can afford players, you know, and uh, and afford to to, to pay, um, you know, wages for for top players, uh, a Premier League outfit. But it's, you know, he, he understands the people, understands the the club, and I think he's not going to make rash decisions, yeah. uh, sacking players after you know, managers after a couple of games. And like you say, I think it's because because he's a Stoke fan. I just think it makes it so much better. And uh, it's certainly uh, when I first arrived, when I first walked through the door, um, you know, I was told, you know, we'll, we'll be doing this, we'll be doing this, we'll be getting these players, you know, we're doing that, and uh, you know, everything's happened. You know, it's not been a, it's not been a lie. I think uh, we've gone from probably fighting, you know, just getting up and fighting fighting relegation every year to becoming an established top ten side. And I think if you look at the top six Premier League teams and what they've spent and uh, and you know what they they they'll achieve, um, I think they're they're on a different level, and um, we're always you know just behind them, and uh, we have been in recent seasons and. Uh, for me personally, you know, everyone is really friendly, been great to me. Uh, fans are fantastic. 
everything that, you know, unless you're at a top six side, I don't think you'd want to be anywhere else. You made me smile. I saw you talking about the Stoke effect. Mm. Having come here and thought, I'm going to have to work a little bit, and now, having been on this side looking at... You used the expression seeing people beaten in the tunnel, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I, I loved watching it. It was so funny. Um, you know, having been on the other side of it, you know, when coming to, 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 to Stoke... And uh, obviously under Tony Fulis and uh, just seeing, you know, obviously, like, you know, I'm a big lad, but, I mean, you, you see them and you walk around, you, you just, uh, obviously, being on that side and coming in and everyone's like, oh, you've got Coach of Stoke, the wind seems to be howling in and it was, uh, it, you could see, you know, for me, you know, it wasn't, I didn't find it a problem, but uh, you could see when players just didn't like it. And obviously being on the flip side of that, being in that dressing room when, you know, I always remember Spurs getting off the bus and they laugh and I just think, uh, you know, the, the, it was the, the, they're a different side now, but uh, I remember them just get, you know, looking so cold and they just didn't want to be there and you just think, you've got, we've got them here, you know? And, what a sweet uh, feeling before you start. Honestly, Arsenal a couple of times as well. Um, Wenger just uh, just really didn't, just doesn't like coming to the to nope. Stoke, I don't think. And the fans whip it up, they make it more... I actually remember we... Uh, you know, I think we grew the grass a little bit longer. Um, so that, I, I always remember Aaron Ramsey. You know, I mean, you couldn't see... The ball was about halfway like that. And I always remember Aaron Ramsey trying to wrap a pass. And he, he literally had to shoot to get it 10 yards. And um, <laughs> it was, we, literally, we literally had them beat. But it, was, it, was, it was very, very entertaining watching it happen. Aaron Ramsey is a fabulous footballer yeah, yeah. and a great character yeah. too. But you need to be able... I suppose it's like you said about... Smaller teams here, knowing when you've got to change gear to play in a certain way to win, mm. you've got to surmount, whether it's the weather or the pitch yeah. or maybe a slightly robust style of football yeah. or fans yeah. that are right on top of you. Yeah. It, to be a great yeah. footballer, no matter your yeah. skills, yeah. you've got to be able to cope with that. Well, exactly. I, I, I certainly think, like in the Premier League, there's so many different ways of you know, teams playing and stuff. You do have to adapt, and I think the best teams always have. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the teams that... Well, the best uh, throughout the Premier League years has been the Man United teams, obviously under Ferguson. They've obviously evolved every time, but they could they could play they could play any way. You know, mm-hmm. they could match any team as a footballing team. Mm-hmm. Um, they could play on the counter attack. You know, the other times I haven't lost count of how many times in the last ten minutes they nick, nick goals by just you know playing a long ball game. You know, and go, going from and then play with wingers, getting crosses in, and play through the pitch. They could do everything. And if they mixed it with them, they could mix it right back at you. Exactly right. You know, if someone tried to kick them up. In yeah, you know, Keynes, the Skullses, you know, they'd all they'd all get together, you know, Gary Neville, they'd all they'd Stam. get together and Stam, you know, they were there was no way they were getting rolled over by no. any way of playing. And no. I think it, the best teams have that, you know, they can always adapt if a team is trying to, you know, um, psych them out or um, you know, try and get in and about them and unsettle them, then uh, the best teams always cope with that. And I think uh, you know, look over the, the course, I mean there's been times where I've played the Arsenal teams recently and you think you know, such a talented bunch of players and you think, you know, why are they not winning winning the league every year? And you know, it's it's probably because they can't they they haven't been able to, to sometimes adapt to to horrible games of football. And I think obviously mm. when we when we made it as difficult as possible when uh, you know we we're, we're playing we're playing a lot more football now and you know playing some stuff it's around, really but, clear. Um, but the you know, before we were we were making it difficult for teams, and that's the way we were winning games. And uh, I do think that there was there was times where you know big teams couldn't cope with that. I'm going to send a written request with a bottle of red wine for more of this. But for the moment, 
In I'll, fact, hold on. I'll, I'll, I'm sold. You've sold it. I've actually enjoyed it. <laughs> that's installment one. Just one ball. And that's installment two, right? Because we pay forward here. Are we not at the beginning? Big Rioja fan as well. I'll tell you that. This should be. This should be nice. These are these are brewed in my loft. <laughs> no, no, these are proper. I want to. I want to finish just by asking you, you. You probably didn't have time to watch last night. A teammate of yours, Gareth Bale, sent off um, in a 3-3 draw last Palmas Madrid. I've hugely enjoyed watching Gareth Bale doing what you talked about in or Gascoigne doing in Syria. Yeah. My personal view is that in Britain, he, what he's achieved is a little bit underappreciated, in, yeah. in my view. But according to Harry, who was in this series as well, there, there was a Gareth Bale who maybe was a kind of softer guy coming through yeah. compared to the world-class, tough, yeah. winning professional that he's become. Mm. What was he like to, to work with? Did you see the potential for this then? Yeah. And, and what's your view of what he's achieved at yeah. Real Madrid? Yeah. Um, I don't think that any of us who have trained with Gareth or played with Gareth are surprised by what he's achieving now at all. I think even in... I mean, I, I saw the transition where he was a left-back. It wasn't going well for him. And uh, I think, you know, was, I mean, there was talk of him... I think Nottingham Forest were trying to sign him for, like, three... There were a couple of clubs trying to loan him, yeah. And I yep. think it was... Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think there would have been too many people that were would have been displeased if it had he had gone at that time. Um, he wasn't... You know, he was... But the way people always say to me, I mean, in training, we were just like, he's brilliant. You know, like he was playing left back, and it's for me, it's like playing Cristiano Ronaldo right back. It's he, he was quite easily a forward player, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think obviously he came as a left back, so that's where he played, and he was getting exposed defensively, and everyone was like, well, so he was getting criticised. And then obviously because of the the, the, the lad, he was a nice lad. I think he was he was he was it was hurting him, you know. And you could see he was losing a bit of confidence, and that was the only thing that was holding him back. The right. fact that he was playing in the wrong position, yep. and the fact that he was losing a bit of confidence. Yep. And then, obviously, he had that stigma of, uh, of of not winning a game. A couple of games that, without yeah, winning, yeah. And, uh, and that, I think, was getting to him a little bit. And then, as soon as, I think, uh, I think it was Harry or whoever made the decision to put him on the left wing. And then, obviously, you know, we could see it in training. Even, he was the best player in training at left-back in the wrong position Jeez. every day. Every Whoa. single day, he was. He was an athlete, incredible on the ball, amazing left foot. He had everything, and obviously once he got he got pushed further forward. That I mean, that was the season where where he took off was the season you know I I played as well. And mm. uh, I mean, obviously the the, the games against uh, Inter Milan, um, you know, once in San Siro when he got the hat trick, just blew blew everyone's mind. Really, it was it was incredible. And uh, you know, we've we've got this, the same agent, and I've sort of grown up with with. Gareth I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Fantastic. So I, I know him very very well, really. And, uh, when we were at Tottenham, his family were in um, like lovely, lovely. His mum and dad, lovely people, oh. and uh, they were in the box with my mum and dad all, all time. So we used to go up together and uh, yeah, see our families, and um, it's a, it's amazing, really, because I think he's, it, it, I remember saying it used to come from his dad because his dad was a rugby player in Wales, and uh, he was very quick, very similar, I think, to how Gareth plays. Yeah. Um, but obviously Gareth was, was football, but uh, I think that's where he where he gets all that those attributes from is, is his dad. But um, yeah, what a player and, and, and deserves absolutely everything yeah. he gets as well because what what a fantastic person as well. It makes me happy to hear that yeah. and, and and the joy with which you've spoken about yeah. of Ambaston yeah. or Gareth yeah. is precisely what fires this series. Yeah. The the joy of football, the ability to talk about soccer, to understand better thanks to people like you. And the joy for me just being able to say to anybody who's listening that when I look for football matches, I look to see 
Peter Crouch or people like you, are they playing? I'm going to watch. Yeah. You make watching football worthwhile. And um, this has been a joy. Thank you for listening to The Big Interview. It's produced by me, which sounds egotistical, but it's also true. Graham Hunter and Backpage. Our music is by Beer Jacket, who else? Editing by Charlie McGarry. Thank you to our hosts at Acast and our loyal sponsors at Bet365. We're also supported by our socios. Find out how to become a socio, how to support us at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Here endeth the lesson.